Welcome to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues, Ocean River Shields of Achilles, with your host, Dr. Rob Moyer. Find out what others are doing and what you can do to create a greener and blue planet Earth. Now, here's Dr. Rob Moyer. Today, we're talking about fish, and we're talking about the management of menhaden, a kind of herring. We're talking about river herring, even more so, river herring in the ocean, and we're also talking about the mystic river that flows into Boston Harbor. My guest today is E.K. Khalsa, Executive Director of the Mystic River Watershed Association here in Massachusetts. Hello, E.K. Hello, Rob. Thanks for having me on. Are you standing by the banks of the river? I wish I was. As with a lot of people, I'm sitting at my desk. But we're not far from the river. Our offices are in Arlington, Massachusetts. I can get to the river pretty quickly. Oh, that's great. So tell us about the work of the Mystic River Watershed Association and your mission. Well, the Mystic River Watershed Association was founded in 1972. So next year, we're going to celebrate our 40th anniversary. And uh, as you may suspect, uh, the Watershed Association since that time has um, dedicated itself to improve the lives of uh, more than half a million people in the 22 communities of the watershed by working really hard and advocating for improvements in the environmental conditions in the river and the ponds and streams uh, that are tributaries to the main stem of the Mystic. We've had a lot of success. We're primarily a um, volunteer-supported organization, uh, but we do have strong staffing, and uh, I think we have a big impact, especially for our size. Well, you really do. I live in Somerville, so you're my watershed, and it's just phenomenal the increased access that you've created for people to get down to the river. And in particular, I look forward to you have an annual herring run where um, I can, uh, for a few dollars, rent a kayak and, and be put right into the water right there at the boathouse in Somerville, right below where Winthrop used to live, and, uh, and go for a nine-mile paddle and back, or 12 of them up for it. Uh, it, it's just great the way you have so many activities that engage, engage us in the river. Well, it is true, and um, we're, you know, of course, a part of a very large network of local organizations and even regional environmental advocates that have been focusing on the mystic. The event that you're talking about is a great celebration of the herring migration that was started over 10 years ago. And... Uh, Membership thought that it would be a great idea to have us humans do something to cheer the fish along as they made their way up the Mystic from the ocean, from Boston Harbor. And so the annual herring run and paddle now is really a well-attended, uh, sanctioned race both for the runners in the, in the 5K race and uh, in, uh, on the paddler side as well. Um, so it's really attracted a lot of uh, competition, uh, which is great fun, uh, but people also come out to either do a fun run for themselves and their families or to try paddling or canoeing up the river for the first time. And as uh, you may have discovered, um, looking at 
the land and looking at Route 93 as the cars whiz by from the river as you make your way upstream is a very different perspective than the one you have when you're on Route 93, barreling along, barely able to see the river briefly out your side window. So that is one of the things that we've done in, in addition to uh, doing environmental advocacy work and doing a lot of scientific data gathering. We also work hard to encourage uh, engagement with the natural environment of the river, and uh, that's maybe among the most satisfying things we do. Well, yeah, I, I participate in the river race because it's an opportunity to go kayaking when other people have coordinated everything and are along the way. It's a wonderful social activity. Um, if my kids were younger, I'd bring them along so I could look good. And the other reason that's good to participate in the uh, river activities is so that when you're, when you're with a friend driving down Route 93, you can point to the water and say, I paddled over there. So the bragging rights are really good, too. Um, I agree. Yeah, so let's um, – I, I want to um, step aside a little bit from the ecology of the Mystic River and talk about a different – an ocean herring called the Menhaden because we have an opportunity to really help save them that we're launching this week. And so I wanted just to put a word in about that. Um, now, uh, EK has been talking about herring that are going up the river. So those are river herring. And then there are herring, which are basically small schooling fish, that are ocean herring, and they spend their lives in the, in the ocean. And one of them is the menhaden. And the menhaden is a, a, a favorite fish of mine, although I don't want to eat it. Um, I like it. You don't want to eat it because it's just too oily and bony and so forth. Uh, however, we do catch them and uh, to uh, turn into uh, fish meal and fish oil and for vitamin E. Uh, but the concern is that these, like the other herring, are the basis of the food chain and the food pyramids for uh, all kinds of ocean life. The, the great book on the fish of the Gulf of Maine is written by uh, Henry Bigelow and Schroeder, and they, um, you know, been through all the literature for a hundred years on these fish, and they report that, uh, quote, oil-laden menhaden swimming in schools of closely ranked individuals are prey for nearly every piscivorous fish, marine mammal and seabird in the Gulf of Maine. Whales and porpoises devour them in large numbers and sharks often follow schools of Atlantic herring, menhaden, no, of Atlantic menhaden in the Gulf of Maine, as do weak fish south of Cape Cod. Bluefin tuna also feed on menhaden. Blue fish prey heavily on menhaden. Other predators include bears, sharks, and goosefish. Sea lamprey attack menhaden. Menhaden are also important diet for of seabirds, herons, egrets, ospreys, and eagles. So, in short, these menhaden, uh, these little ubiquitous fish, are they're the keystone species for an ocean ecosystem. And, you know, like pulling the top stone in an arch out, you know, the loss of menhaden, the whole system could collapse in unexpected ways. And so we need to know more about the connections, and we need to manage them wisely. So the Atlantic, the uh, Menhaden, because they live on close to the shore, are managed by the Atlantic 
States Marine Fisheries Commission. And they are reassessing how they are managing the uh, Menhaden. And they have opened it up for public comment. So if you would like to learn more about Menhaden and comment uh, on the plans and the options that they're considering for how to make sustainably be able to sustainably fish Menhaden forevermore uh, without uh, starving the other members of the food pyramid, um, I invite you to join with the Herring Alliance. And their uh, web page is, well, it's the Herring Alliance, I believe it's, and uh, you can also, yeah, herringalliance.org, and then the Ocean River Institute is uh, supporting this effort, and they're at theoceanriver.org. Uh, so either way, uh, you'll end up with the Herring Alliance's uh, letter and information if you want to help um, save the Menhaden fish. The Menhaden are different from the other herring we see because about a third of their body is head, and the head is really shiny. It doesn't have any scales on it, you know, right back to the gills and stuff. So you see this, this kind of third that's just smooth and shiny, and the rest is all scaly on back. So that's a little plug for the, for the Menhaden in the midst of EK's talking about um, the Mystic River and the various fish there. Uh, EK, I, I was not able to attend uh, the meeting of the New England Fisheries Management Council in Danvers last week, but my colleagues were cheering for uh, your presentation. Um, what was going on with the New England Fisheries Management Council? Well, um, the meeting in Danvers uh, last week was a really important meeting because the New England Fisheries Management Council was considering um, amendments to its Fishing, fisheries management plan that would have a direct impact on uh, river herring in New England. Um, to give you a little background, as I'm sure your listeners are aware, uh, there has been precipitous decline of river herring, um, particularly in the last half century. And there is concern that although some of this decline in, in river herring populations can be attributed to environmental reasons, there has been a tremendous impact by commercial fisheries on, uh, on river herring stock. And the amendments uh, that the council had under consideration in Danvers last week are really modest first steps to make a determination, to help everyone make a determination whether or not uh, some of the very large com commercial fishing fleets uh, are having an impact on river herring as a result of river herring bycatch and mortality during the fishing process, how large that impact is, and what can be done to prevent it. There's no question that uh, the river herring fisheries have, have deci uh, declined precipitously. Um, there's a wonderful report. You mentioned Pew Environmental Trust. And there is a wonderful report um, on river herring uh, that was published in 2007. But just to give listeners an idea of the change, um, the 
the fleet that was harvesting fish uh, at one point in 1958 uh, captured a, a total of 75 million pounds of river herring at sea. Uh, the most recent count for these uh, these fisheries is from 2005, and the total was 692,000 pounds. So you can imagine that although the these large vessels are had pursued river herring, uh, the fishery is is absolutely decimated. It's a 99% decline from uh, early 1960s till the present time. And we see that decline in, in fish numbers in our rivers. All along the coast of the U.S., the Atlantic and New England coasts, uh, I think everyone who uh, lives near the rivers or who fishes the rivers or even our commercial fishermen and uh, will will acknowledge that that the the herring the river herring migration has declined uh, to an extraordinary extent uh, since uh, the late 1960s. So this these amendments to the fishery plan uh, are an attempt by the council to address concerns that, for instance. Uh, midwater trawlers, which haul tremendous, tremendous volumes of fish on board, are capturing substantial numbers of river herring along with the Atlantic herring that they are permitted to catch, and as a result, having an impact on how many herring are left uh, for the annual migration up the Mystic River and elsewhere. So we spoke um, in support of these amendments uh, at the meeting in Danvers, and I'm happy to report that the council unanimously approved uh, these amendments, which had been development had been in development for some years. It's a very, very large document. These amendments to the fisheries plan, and um, many, many people and many experts in the field contributed to the development of these uh, modifications of the fisheries plan. The Council itself spent three days in deliberation over this and other issues and looked at these issues uh, with great care and in great detail. So the next step is that the Council will soon, I think in um, December, release this document, release these amendments for public comment. And so it's really important that all of us uh, who, who care about River Herring and their survival uh, take time to engage this public process, uh, review the amendments or their summaries, and uh, make public make comments both to the the New England Fishery Management Council, but also to uh, state uh, government officials, including the governor's office. So I think um, there's going to be an opportunity to comment. I would say that uh, Greg Wells at the Pew Environmental Trust has been a really important point person through this whole process, and Pew Environmental Trust's website is a great source for additional information about uh, opportunities to comment. E.K., um, we're going to have to interrupt you to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with E.K. Kosla. 
sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Connecting local stewardship with global support, the Ocean River Institute is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work. We believe that many environmental issues can best be addressed by people taking action in their own communities and regions. It's not the large national entities, but the small, localized, or newly formed groups that often need help to achieve their goals. That's where the Ocean River Institute comes in. We maintain a network of eco-stewards and ORI partners, connecting them with resources and services to help them maximize their impact, expand their capacity, and weather unexpected setbacks. ORI actions and events offer opportunities to make a difference, to go the distance, and you can volunteer to be an ORI eco-steward. To discover more, visit us online at www.oceanriver.org. That's www.oceanriver.org. The Ocean River Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science. This is the Voice America Green Living Channel. Spread the green. You're listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer. We're talking with E.K. Kalta, Executive Director of the Mystic River Watershed Association. Uh, E.K. was telling us a bit about the meeting of the New England Fisheries Management Council. They had an important meeting where, for a number of years, they've been trying to address how to better manage the river herring um, populations, uh, the river herring being uh, blueback, and alewives that frequent the rivers of uh, the Northeast, including the Mystic River, which uh, in Massachusetts that uh, E.K. is representing and working for and directing. Uh, and so you said that uh, there's been a lot of, of uh, damage done to the herring, the river herring in, in the ocean by particularly these enormous midwater trawling vessels that have uh, nets the size of a football field, and it takes two vessels to pull them together, and then they can look over the side and decide whether they want to keep the catch or just let it go. And unfortunately, it's if it's pretty dead from being dragged through the water so long and stuff. So that the HerringAlliance.org reports that every year an estimated three million pounds of river herring, and that's you know, herring weighs less than a pound, so that's roughly 12 million fish are accidentally caught by fishing vessels that are targeting other species, such as the Atlantic or the sea herring and mackerel here on the East Coast. So it's not so much that the fishermen are taking too much of the fish that they're fishing for, it's that in the process there's a lot of bycatch and a lot of destruction happening uh, on the edges. 
And so it's very important that we speak up now um, while the uh, amendments are being considered. Yeah, that's correct, Rob. Um, One of the changes that has occurred in recent years is that in addition to establishing catch limits and equipment guidelines, the Council now has, as part of its mission, uh, the order to minimize uh, bycatch and mortality for fish um, that are not targeted. So in this case, the amendments that are now going to go out for public comment are amendments to the fishery management plan for the Atlantic herring fishery. And in this case, these amendments are designed to uh, minimize to the, to the largest extent possible uh, bycatch of river herring, uh, particularly, as you suggest, uh, by these midwater trawlers. And I think listeners uh, would want to know that these amendments, it's called Amendment 5 to the Atlantic Herring Fishery Plan, Amendment 5 will be uh, released uh, in the next several weeks for a 45-day public comment period. Uh, Likely the comment period will begin in early December. And so these public comments are really important because This is a multi-year process leading us to this moment, and this will be the last time to address this issue probably for the next five or ten years. So it's expected that the council will draft final management measures uh, to be voted upon at its January 31st through February 2nd meeting. So now is the time to really speak out in support of the river herring, and um, hopefully these measures will help to restore river herring stock throughout uh, the New England coast. Yes, the window is crucial. Uh, you were explaining the process of going through science studies and research and wording for amendments. It's been a three-year process to get to this point that now is a window of public comment and then they'll go in and, and spend quite a bit of time finishing it up. So it, it's remarkable. It, it takes like five years to make a management plan that will be better for herring. And uh, there's only a num- matter of weeks when public comments will be accepted. If you want to comment, please go to herringalliance.org. Uh, if you'd like more information, there's good information there. There's also information at OceanRiver.org. The uh, Ocean River Institute is joining up with a recreational fisherman and a commercial boat operator to sue uh, the Fisheries Management Council and National Marine Fisheries to make a better decision on the management of Atlantic herring. So basically, if we win that suit, the judge will say to the fisheries councils, you didn't do right. do it again, do it better. So it doesn't change the authority. The authority is with National Marine Fisheries Council in consultation with the National Marine Fisheries Service and in, with uh, guidance from the uh, fisheries councils. But um, there, this is a remarkable short window of opportunity for public comment into the lives of uh, both Atlantic herring and river herring. Yeah, and I think it's it's valuable to point out, as I mentioned earlier, that 
These amendments were approved unanimously by the Council, uh, and although it will cost money to implement the measures that are proposed, uh, it is money well spent. And I think, uh, as, as is revealed in the Pew Environmental Trust's report, even many commercial fishermen recognize that decline of river herring or Menhaden, as you mentioned, is really concerning because these are substantial bait fish um, for striped bass and serve as a really important diet of this critical fish. Uh, striped bass, as we know, is a very large fish and an important part of the ocean ecology. So uh, this is a great opportunity to weigh in on a really important issue, and, and the time is now. Yeah, menhaden are also used as a bait for lobster traps. The lobstermen are a big user of the menhaden catch. Yeah. Uh, well, so these are crucial animals, not just for our own dinner table, but for also, and I do want to eat seafood forevermore, but uh, they're also crucial for the ecology of the other animals that they support. Well, that's one of the things that I thought might be interesting to talk with you about today, Rob. Um, one of the things we mentioned in our testimony in Danvers is the many decades of work that has been done by the Mystic River Watershed Association and many, many other environmental groups and local organizations to improve uh, environmental conditions in the Mystic River. I wanted to mention this to the council so that they know that there is tremendous support for their effort and that there is work happening in the river systems that will complement their efforts to restore uh, river herring populations and river herring migration. And so I thought that might be of interest to discuss um, and may be of interest to, to your listeners. Absolutely. Tell us more about the Mystic River, uh, what's happening here in Massachusetts. Well, like, as, as with many uh, New England coastal rivers, uh, water quality in the Mystic River over the last half century suffered uh, tremendously from increases uh, in industrial outfalls, uh, very dense urban population centers, and uh, the impacts from what are really uh, aging infrastructure systems in our towns and cities. So, slowly... Uh, we've made great progress in restoring water quality in the Mystic, and perhaps our neighbor's story in the Charles is the most glowing example of what can be accomplished through these efforts. Uh, the Mystic right now is making progress, but the Charles, as an example, is an international success story. And many of the challenges that advocates in the Charles faced in the 90s, we are facing in the Mystic. Now, but EK, uh, but, which river has more herring in it? <laughs> That's true. So one of the things that we emphasized to the Fisheries Council was that um, there's tremendous efforts being made in the communities of the Mystic River watershed to prepare a stronger and healthier habitat for the river herring. As a result of improvements in water quality, as you might imagine, um, we believe 
uh, habitat is substantially improved for the river herring and other uh, fish and uh, and all other creatures in the, in the natural life cycle. One of the great um, uh, stories of the mystic is um, a program that developed uh, a number of years ago. It was um, sponsored by uh, the Department of Marine Fisheries along with the Medford Boat Club and the Mystic River Watershed Association. And it was really a wonderful story and a great family affair in that uh, volunteers from the boat club, from the association, uh, from nearby communities, and uh, professional staff from the Department of Marine Fisheries would go out to the Mystic Lakes Dam during the river herring migration. And because there was no fish ladder, uh, the, the river herring were basically piling up against the dam, trying to get upstream to more habitat in the upper Mystic Lakes. So what was devised was a plan to move the herring by bucket from the lower <laughs> lake to the upper lake. And so on those occasions when the fish were ready to go, um, families and professional scientists and and public officials and members of the public agencies would head to the dam. And uh, uh, because the Medford Boat Club's uh, uh, headquarters and, and slips are right next to the dam, uh, they participated in a big way as well. And we all moved fish over the dam. Uh, in good years, many thousands of fish were moved by individual bucket loads uh, from the lower lake uh, to the top of the dam and then through a temporary sluice out into the waters of the upper lake. And there was evidence that spawning was occurring and that and fry were developing in the upper lakes, which was really delightful for everybody involved. E.K., uh, we're out of time again. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be back with the Herring Bucket Brigade after this break. <laughs> Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. All together now, all together now. Connecting local stewardship with global support, the Ocean River Institute is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work. We believe that many environmental issues can best be addressed by people taking action in their own communities and regions. It's not the large national entities, but the small, localized, or newly formed groups that often need help to achieve their goals. That's where the Ocean River Institute comes in. We maintain a network of eco-stewards and ORI partners, connecting them with resources and services to help them maximize their impact, expand their capacity, and weather unexpected setbacks. ORI Actions and Events offer opportunities to make a difference, to go the distance, and you can volunteer to be an ORI eco-steward. To discover more, visit us online at www.oceanriver.org. That's www.oceanriver.org. The Ocean River Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science. 
This is the Voice America Green Living Channel. Spread the green. You're listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer. We're talking today about river herring, Atlantic herring, a uh, little bit about um, uh, Menhaden, but mostly we're learning about the Mystic River here in Massachusetts, and the executive director of the Mystic River Watershed Association is with us. And E.K., you were, tell us more about this bucket brigade and how it made a difference for river herring. Well, it, it really is a marvelous story. Um, and simply, there were uh, tremendous numbers of people who would come out to the Mystic Lakes Dam and uh, help uh, move river herring uh, from the lower lake to the upper lake so that they could spawn in the areas to which they were determined to uh, uh, travel. Um, what's interesting, Rob, is that as a result of a tremendous amount of effort and advocacy, uh, in the watershed, and the good work of the Mystic uh, Legislative Mystic River Legislative Caucus members, including Denise Provo and and Pat Senator Pat Jalen, DCR, uh, which is the state agency that manages the dam, uh, was able to secure funding to repair the dam uh, for the first time uh, substantially since just before the Civil War. And as a result of uh, the advocacy and the great love that everyone developed for river herring as a result of the Bucket Brigade, the uh, DCR included in their design a brand-new river herring ladder, which is now functioning as of uh, this past summer. So it's very, very exciting for everyone who got to know river herring as a result of the Bucket Brigades of years past. Uh, that we can now go to the dam and observe uh, the fish running through their brand-new ladder. And uh, everyone who has observed the fish migration uh, this past season, including the dam operators and the contractors who were building the dam and finishing it up this summer, reported that there is a tremendous amount of herring uh, now moving from the lower lake to the upper lake through the uh, fish ladder. So this is a great success, and I know Representative Denise Provo in particular worked really diligently to make sure that this construction was completed on time, and um, as I mentioned, Senator Pat Jalen and other Mystic River area legislators worked really hard to make sure that DCR received funding for this fairly substantial $5 million project. Um, So I'll mention that we will now be shifting... Uh, through the Mystic River Watershed Association, our focus from bucket brigades to important river herring counting. Our intention will be to, beginning next season, have volunteers uh, trained and out on the dam 
to count the fish coming and going along the fish ladder. And, of course, this will provide really, really important uh, data with regard to the numbers of fish that are migrating uh, and their health. And not only will this data be very important uh, to our interests in the Mystic River, but it really will be uh, important to uh, the entire region because these kind of fish counts uh, accurately made are critically important for our understanding of the health of river herring populations in all of New England. Well, that's great. First of all, it's so important to have champions in the state house, in, in our case on Beacon Hill, because, you know, the, the, the government agency says they allocate funds for it, and then they kind of all go out and celebrate, like, we're funding this. And the wheels of bureaucracy are so slow. They don't understand that when the herring are there, they got to go up the river. They can't wait for some bureaucrat to be, you know. So it was just, I was amazing. I was appalled, actually, with how much effort um, Representative Provost and, and Senator uh, Jellin, you know, had to really keep the pressure on to just to get everything rolling through the government because the fish don't wait. Yeah, this is true. I think... Um... It's always, you know, the political process is a slow and sometimes painful one, but um, we really do have a lot of great champions in the Mystic River area, um, legislators uh, through from uh, many of the 22 uh, towns and cities in the watershed are, are well aware of the value of the river, and I think that there is growing appreciation uh, of what, improved environmental conditions and water quality in the river can mean. Um, I know that's certainly true among the city councils and town councils and in the mayor's offices that we visit throughout the watershed. People recognize that there is a tremendous bottom-line value uh, connected with environmental improvement and restoration. So... Um, one of the things that's kind of exciting is to see uh, that the Mystic River watershed is receiving um, attention uh, and perhaps more attention that it ha- than it has in the past uh, because there is an increased recognition of the importance and great value of the natural resources and recreational um, potential of the, of the Mystic River and its tributaries. Absolutely. I mean, remember, Somerville is the most densely populated municipality in the Northeast. After World War II, it was second only to Calcutta for how populated it was per square inch of residence. And the whole watershed of the Mystic River is a populated landscape, and yet we can have healthy fish in the river right there, you know, in an urban landscape. And, you know, it's not the number of people, it's the fact that they're Somerville people, meaning, you know, that they are smart and and not um, destroying their environment. So it's so important to show that we can have a healthy ecosystem, working ecosystem, uh, and, you know, urbanness at the same time. I think that's that's one of the exciting things about uh, prospects for the Mystic River the Mystic River watershed, is that um, this has been a hard-working area 
since um, uh, before the United States of America was actually established as a country. Some of the earliest settlements in New England really happened on the banks of the Mystic River, and uh, Metro Boston developed in large part because of the commercial activities that were occurring in the communities along the Mystic. So we have a wonderful and long-standing tradition of hard work and industry. Um, unfortunately, the river and our environment has paid uh, a, a substantial price for that success. And indeed, as you point out, because it is, uh, it has been for 300 years a very healthy place to live in terms of uh, having strong communities, uh, well-organized municipalities, and a prosperous economy. Um, there's a lot of people here. But what, what we at the Mystic River Watershed Association and our many partners believe is that it's possible to build on these strengths and to develop sustainable economies in our communities uh, that are forward-looking and that combine our great industry, our great mechanical uh, and scientific intelligence with um, a, a real living and uh, functional urban environment. Um, one of the big issues that we're dealing with now is, of course, the result of the work of the last 300 years, uh, and, and that is that uh, it's not just all of the people who are living in Mystic River communities, but all of the pavement that we've laid down. Um, we've gotten really, really good at paving. And as you mentioned, I think the percentage of impervious surface now in Somerville is something on the order of in excess of 75%. So we're actually really okay now. We have enough asphalt we're and concrete for sure about that. And one of the exciting things that's happening is for uh, environmental advocacy groups such as ours, as well as municipal leaders and, and business owners and property owners to, to look at, well, what can we do to resolve this challenge? What we've discovered is that the amount of impervious surface in any given neighborhood is a pretty good proxy of the amount of pollution that's entering into the river through the storm system. Phosphorus, as an example, is a good indicator of the amount of impairment, uh, the concentrations of phosphorus, both in the stormwater and in the river near the outfall, is a pretty good indicator of the deleterious effects of all of this pavement. Uh, one of the nice things is that there is a lot of work being done in pilot projects being developed throughout the watershed to see if we can take a slightly different approach to the built environment. And one of the things that we are working on is to develop pilot projects where we use an alternative method to deal with uh, stormwater. Um, when rain falls on the ground out in the country, as you know, it is absorbed into the earth and recharges the underground aquifers beneath the area. When we completely seal our towns and cities with impervious roofs and, and streets and sidewalks, the problem is water has nowhere to go uh, except into our piped stormwater system, and uh, we really can't keep up. Um, no, we can't. I have to interrupt again because we're out of time, but 
also as the water speeds up, it causes more erosion and sedimentation out into the river because of those hardened surfaces. We'll be back after this break to hear more about the Mystic River watershed. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Connecting local stewardship with global support, the Ocean River Institute is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work. We believe that many environmental issues can best be addressed by people taking action in their own communities and regions. It's not the large national entities, but the small, localized, or newly formed groups that often need help to achieve their goals. That's where the Ocean River Institute comes in. We maintain a network of eco-stewards and ORI partners, connecting them with resources and services to help them maximize their impact, expand their capacity, and weather unexpected setbacks. ORI actions and events offer opportunities to make a difference, to go the distance, and you can volunteer to be an ORI eco-steward. To discover more, visit us online at www.oceanriver.org. That's www.oceanriver.org. The Ocean River Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science. This is the Voice America Green Living Channel. Spread the green. You're listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer. We're talking about the Mystic River watershed in Massachusetts. It flows into Boston Harbor. Um, I'm a resident of Somerville, and uh, E.K., the executive director, was just talking about the problem with hardened surfaces, uh, and it accelerates the water into the water sh- into the riverways. It causes sedimentation. It doesn't recharge the aquifers. It doesn't get filtered through the land. It isn't treated. And one of the things that's happening we see more of are depaving activities where Somerville Action, in this case, uh, invited people to come on over and literally take pickaxe to asphalt, and we depaved a little bit of asphalt and all went home feeling good, a little less asphalt there. Um, but there are many ways, and there are also now new surfaces that people can put down for crosswalks and parking lots and so forth that are um, more pervious. Uh, but we don't have much time. And, E.K., could you tell us more about the River's Edge program? Well, um, you know, one of the things that we really celebrate are some of the real pioneering efforts by uh, the business community and the real estate community to uh, develop in a very sustainable and and, and a very um, <clears throat> powerful way in the Mystic River watershed. And one of the best examples of one of these recent developments is one called River's Edge, um, a very intrepid 
intrepid de- developer named John Priadel and his partners uh, took over a project on the Medford side of the Malden River uh, that had been pioneered and promoted for 10 years by a consortium of three cities which uh, border the Malden River, Medford, Malden, and Everett. The site was a, an absolute mess in that it had seen 150 years of very, very heavy industrial use. There was extraordinary amounts of very heavy industrial contamination on site. Um, and uh, John Priadel and his partners undertook the restoration of the site, the mitigation of all of the hazardous waste. Uh, they removed thousands, tens of thousands of tons of tires and rubber from the former rubber plants on site um, and restored it. And this project, River's Edge, uh, is a wonderful example of how urban river watersheds can be restored with great vision and a lot of uh, daring, I would say. Uh, so River's Edge is a really great example of how the Mystic River watershed, uh, in particular the Mystic River uh, waterfront, is being restored. There's other great examples at Station Landing, uh, Federal Realty's project, which is uh, still on uh, the drawing board, but which is permitted and uh, for which there is a new park being developed right now called Assembly Row. Uh, in Somerville is a good example of other work that's being done. Mm. Uh, but one of the things that we're encouraging uh, project developers to consider, as we were discussing earlier, is the implementation of these new methods of stormwater management on their sites. And this is a little cutting edge, so as a result, the Mystic River Watershed Association, uh, with municipal and other partners, are doing pilot projects, Rob, uh, so that we can see how these projects work in an urban industrial environment. Um, well, so that, great that they involve green you know, marshes and stuff. Uh, say again? It's great to see how green they are, that they involve, it isn't just putting up a sidewalk you know, where there used to be a toxic waste site. It, it's, they're green. You're putting in marsh grasses. You're putting in, uh, you know, you're making green spaces as well as access to the waterfront. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the great aspects of this kind of sustainable development is that in the neighborhoods where these new ideas are being implemented, uh, folks love it. The residents love it because often uh, you can create um, changes at the surface that uh, really substantially improve the landscape. So whereas uh, in uh, in the former uh, uh, iteration the sidewalk may be uh, all concrete to the edge of the street. Uh, in these new designs, now there are little park areas and trees and shrubbery and flowers planted, and these are part of an integrated stormwater, ma- stormwater management system that's been installed. So it's very exciting. I think these are the kind of innovations that we'll continue to see, particularly in the Mystic, um, as we move forward into the 21st century. It's really great. I also like the uh, lookouts you put for bird watchers where you can climb up and look out over the marsh. Well, I, I think um, 
you know, DCR uh, has, you know, we have to give credit to DCR for the efforts they're making to improve their parks and areas, um, uh, as well as uh, John's efforts. Uh, there's a lot of partners. Uh, certainly the Mystic River Watershed Association does its best to support all these efforts, and to some extent we act as an umbrella organization, but uh, there's a tremendous amount of work done uh, at the local level and at the neighborhood level, and we're really doing our best to be a good partner uh, with all of these efforts and with all these organizations. Well, you do it very well. It's much like an orchestra conductor. You're out, you know, the Mississippi River Association is bringing different things into attention at the right time when things are ready to be looked at or responded to. And you mentioned earlier opportunities for volunteering, whether it be yeah, for volunteering. Where can people go to learn more about the work of the Mystic River Watershed Association? Well, I would uh, recommend that listeners go to mysticriver.org. Uh, that's, the, that's our organization's website. We have information about the work we're doing. Uh, we have news about activities and events throughout the watershed, and we have um, contact information so that you can reach us uh, to volunteer. Um, we have lots of opportunities and lots of different kinds of volunteer opportunities um, for people who want to come out for a day or who want to make a commitment to monthly uh, water quality monitoring. Uh, so uh, there's, there's no boundary to uh, the opportunities to participate. Um, there's a lot of work underway, and we really rely upon uh, volunteers um, and um, their support to accomplish all that the association uh, is able to undertake. Well, E.K., that's all the time we have for today. I want to thank you on behalf of the uh, – thank you for telling us more about the plight of river herring and the Mystic River Watershed Valley Asso Watershed Association. Well, thanks for having me, Rob. It's really been a pleasure, and uh, I hope this has been interesting to your readers, uh, to your listeners, and, of course, uh, they can find out more information about the work we're doing at mysticriver.org. And you can write to E.K. at that site as well. He's very accessible. The staff is just phenomenal at the Mystic River Watershed Association. I highly recommend it. Uh, this is Rob Moyer of the Ocean River Institute, oceanriver.org, Thanking you all for listening to this episode of Moyer's Environmental Dialogue. Thanks again for joining us this week on Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. Please tune in for more with Dr. Rob Moyer next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Green Living Channel. We'll talk again then. Rob